Hey everybody, good morning. Thanks so much for joining me. This is Harry Kimmick with Down to Earth. And we are live this morning as we talk about a home record law in North Carolina. I just wanted to make sure everyone heard that. Uh, it, it's, it's, we're, we are going to talk about it. Because <laughs> this is the craziest thing I've heard in a long, long time. And I thought I would invite you, my audience, into my shenanigans. As you can hear in the background, some of the stuff that we do while we're waiting to go on air. So if you heard something, you heard something. I trust you didn't hear anything too much. <laughs> that is going to be too revealing or, you know, that's going to make it hard for us to come back. But I wanted to talk about this because I found it amusing and I found it entertaining that someone actually, I kid you not, these things happen. Somebody actually sued his ex-wife's lover. And um, I'm kind of like, I, I think we all need a little, uh, how shall I say this? A little, uh, uh, a, just a little, just a little diversion from the news of the day, right? Uh, so I thought I would kind of just make it amusing for the rest of us. I don't know. <laughs> so a man in North Carolina, the thing I like about uh, podcasting is that it's live and interactive. It's not scripted or stayed or something like that. So believe it or not, these things happen. A man in North Carolina is suing his ex-wife's lover, claiming the man is a homewrecker. So I was curious about this. Does this even have any merits? Like, does this even have any kind of um, how shall I say? What do you all think about that? Does this have any, is there any standing? Like, does he have any ground to stand on? And I couldn't believe that this actually happened. So I was like, oh my gosh. So I, I, I did some searching around and I began to look into, I live in Michigan. So what are the applications for Michigan? What are the implications for Michigan? Is it something that anyone has likely could do. And I found much to my chagrin and to my surprise that there's actually something called a loss of consortium. So I'll get into that in just a bit, because I think we, I think we need to look at it because you might be scratching your head. Like really sincerely. Yeah, it happened. A man in North Carolina is suing his ex-wife's lover because he's claiming that the man wrecked the, the, the love affair, wrecked his marriage. And there are two ways you can look at this. I mean, <laughs> I'm looking into your faces and I'm trying not to keep the smile because do you remember some years ago when uh, no fault divorce became a thing and everybody rejoiced? That meant you could get a, you didn't have to have grounds for divorce, right? So it, it, you could just say irreconcilable differences. You remember that? Okay, so most people now who get divorced, you don't even realize that you actually have a no-fault divorce, which means that you actually are not holding the other partner accountable for the breakdown of the marriage. And the judge is going to grant the divorce without consideration to what the other party might feel or might say. Well, in North Carolina and about six other states, there is a law on the books called the Homewrecker Law. It dates from the 1800s. And I'm telling you the honest truth. I think we need to perhaps go back into uh, it and look at reviews. Somebody needs to sit down and look at some of these laws that are still obscure, but are there nonetheless. And they are there. And because they are there, 
they can be quite damaging to modern life and the progress of modern life, right? Uh, uh, so what I'm going to do, so, so I thought I would, I'm trying to distract you all from the news of the day because it's not looking real good right now, (laughs) right? (laughs) I, I want us to focus on something else that life does move along and life goes on here in America, right? So when you think about it, you, you have to, it makes you wonder, are there any more obscure laws that we perhaps need to look into before we realize that these laws still exist and that they're going to have some serious ramifications for our lives, right? Because think about it, how in God's green earth would anyone have ever thought that if somebody caused your marriage to fall apart, you realize that you have some recourse. You can actually sue the person. And this guy actually, the court, the, 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 they, he was actually awarded damages in the amount of $750,000. Now, whether he's going to collect on it is irrelevant. I mean, it now becomes a debt that the person owes. So that means it lands on their credit report and it is something he could ostensibly sue to retrieve his property by placing a lien on the person's property. Do you see how serious this implication is? So I just want to put it out there. So for those of us who like to diddle-daddle and, you know, you think it's fun or it's an ego trip, because the way this guy described it, I was smiling not at his pain, but at the circumstances that he was describing. He said the guy was a neighbor or something like that or a friend. So he would come over to their home, and what he did was he would visit with the wife when the husband was absent. And it was through those visits that he claimed he was being, you know, being a friend or being whatever, that he actually, actually, dear God in heaven, began an affair that proved detrimental to his marriage. So he's claiming loss of affection, loss of consensual, loss of sex, loss of sexual intimacy or something like that. And the law does exist. And I kid you not, I was so blown away that such a thing could happen. So people, they're advocates for the law, obviously, because I think I think what we're saying is that there has to be some level of accountability, right? There should be some accountability. You can't just break up. So it's like a man who chooses to have an affair or a woman who chooses to have an affair uh, with someone. Uh, to the exp- expense of the marriage, you break up your marriage because you choose to have an affair. So in this case, he's blaming the other party. It's not that he's not blaming his ex- ex-wife either. He's not saying she got off scot-free and she was not a willing or active participant in, in, in the shenanigans. He's just saying the man, he's holding the man accountable. And it is a dangerous precedent because now other like-minded souls, no pun intended, other like-minded men who might think it's fun to, you know, have a little diddle dally on the side. You know, some people think it's the safest thing is to have an affair with someone who is married because then they're going to respect certain boundaries or whatever. So anybody who is thinking like that now, they're like, well, <laughs> I don't know if I want to pursue that because, you know, I don't want anybody to come soon me to be a homewrecker. In essence, that's what the law comes down to. It's, it's, it's being called a homewrecker. But in a more serious sense, though, you have to look at it that there is such rampant abandonment of the idea of marriage in today's society. 
at some point, something was going to be done anyway, right? We People get married and just get married as if there is no recourse. Like, I can marry you and I can divorce you. As if being married is not a commitment. As if being married doesn't mean that you have committed to one person. That's literally what it means. Being married doesn't mean that you have an out. Being married means that once you get married, you are staying with this person and you're only going to commit to having sex with this one person. And all your sexual, emotional affection between erotic in an erotic setting comes only from this person. That's what being married is. And I think today people are like, I don't know that I want to commit to one person. I can't see myself. Have you ever heard someone say that? I can't see myself just having sex with one person for the rest of my life. And I am like, then how many people did you plan to have sex with in your lifetime? Like seriously, right? So so when you think about that's what marriage is supposed to do. It was designed to keep the fabric of society together. If, if you can't commit to act, I, I question individuals who can't commit in a relationship. Can you commit to anything else? That used to be how we thought until other people came along and said, well, I can commit to anything I want to do. I just don't want to commit to being to, to having one partner. And then you found out that they really do have issues with commitment because when they abandon the partner, they abandon the children that come with it. They abandon the whole community that came with that marriage. So they really had issues with, 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 with commitment in the first place. It makes you question all kinds of issues that emanate from this situation. And it, it caused me to really sit down and think. So I thought, out of fun, in the next segment, I'm going to examine what, we, what I discovered about uh, Michigan. Because it was mind-blowing to me that such a thing could actually happen. And, and what it did was it makes me wonder how many of us have given thought to this? I mean, like seriously, there are people right now who are grieving. You might not ever come forward, but you are grieving because someone systematically made staked a claim to your spouse and ruined your life by ruining your marriage. And you are perhaps now wondering, oh, so I could sue them? I d- you'd have to consult a lawyer. I don't know what the laws are applicable in your state, right? And you'd have to consult. Of course, you're going to have to find out if there's a statute of limitations on it, like only what you can only sue while the marriage is present or ongoing or immediate post-divorce, whatever. I don't know about that. You'd have to consult a lawyer for that. And you'd have to consult the applicability of such a law in your state. There are other ways to go around it from what I'm gathering. And I think it behooves all of us to examine these things. You know, one of the, you're talking about marriage. One of the things that I have discovered years ago, someone I know was getting married and they were young people. And you always want to encourage people to get married. And from their perspective, very few individuals in their community, in their family group had been married, right? So they were wondering and testing, is marriage even relevant? Should we get married? So I didn't want to be the arbiter of, of bad news. I just said, I think it's always a good thing when people commit to staying with one another. It's good for the children and it's good for both of you. It makes you emotionally stable. You make better decisions. You combine your finances together so you will have a better life. Well, do you know, they actually went and got married. All of a sudden, all the things I said came true because once they got married, guess what? He got 
you know, he got more responsibility at work, you know, started to get more money. And before you knew it, they paid down, they, they filed their taxes together, got their tax returns, had a goal. They paid down on a house, seriously, got their money together, paid down on a house and are living in a house, bought a house. Even now, if they had not married, they probably wouldn't have done that. And some of you are listening to me and you're men and you're saying, well, I bought a house and I didn't need a wife and I didn't need a woman to do that. I just did that on my own. And I'm listening to you and I'm like, your need yet has not yet manifested. When it does manifest, that's when you're going to call your sister or your auntie or your mother to come and care for you. See, what we have done is we are eliminating ourselves and we are putting ourselves at a disadvantage and you're making yourself vulnerable to anybody who can come and take over, right? You, we, there is a reason why we had marriage. We didn't have marriage established in the society or in the community or in our communes at the time, our communes at the time, because somebody was having a bad hair day or someone was going to pose a restriction on your ability to have free agency of your, your male body parts. No, that was not what it was designed, nor if you're a female who feel like you should be free to explore all your sexual options. No, that was not what it was designed to do. It was designed simply to keep a moral code and to keep morality together and to keep people feeling better about themselves. Now, everybody knows everybody plays around. People cheat like it's crazy. It's no big deal. And they still stay married. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to do what? Go home to somebody. Everybody wants a person who keeps the light on while you're out. You'd be amazed how some men will tell you that they go and they are out all day, all night. But they go home to somebody who is still waiting there and who in the morning is probably going to get up and make them coffee or ask, how are you doing? You would be surprised. Sometimes I think wives become mothers in a sense, because after a while, a man goes home, there's someone whom he's going to confide in. Sometimes the wife becomes the best friend because she listens to the things that he can't tell his business partner and he can't tell his brotherhood at the club. Now, what he will tell them is going to be different from what he tells his wife, but you'd be surprised what a man tells his wife about the people whom he interacts with. He might just share parts of his life, but with a wife, she gets all of his life. She hears everything because he's going to talk and he wants to feel that there is a safe place to talk. Some of you don't even realize that that's what you're searching for when you're looking for a partner. You're looking for someone with whom you can feel completely safe with, whom you can completely be yourself with without being judged. That's probably what that, the, the man from North Carolina, he identified the areas in his marriage that broke down. And he had a straight face about it, guys. He had a straight face about it. He was not joking. He said, well, if this is, if this is going to help someone else to keep their marriage, he said, fine. But he said, my life was wrecked when my marriage was wrecked. My wife and I were going along and getting along fine until this guy came up and started telling her other things and she became distracted and she stopped providing me with affection and love and the loss of financial blessing, the, you know, the finances that came, the stability that came. And he said, somebody has to pay for it. Honestly, I can't say that I blame him because I think at some point there has to be some accountability. You can't just randomly walk into people's lives 
and wreck their lives and then just walk away as if nothing had just taken place. And for some reason, I find myself squat in the middle of this because it was just a few weeks I was listening to someone tell a story of how after 28 years of marriage, she found herself homeless. Because her marriage had fallen apart, she had moved into the home when she got married, 28 years. She had moved into the home because her husband was the one with the money and the power. She had to leave the home. She had nowhere else. She had nowhere to go. Then I heard another story. I read another story about another woman who, after 22 years of marriage, the children had grown up and they were now off to college. Her husband said he doesn't want to be married anymore. He started cheating, started hanging out late at night. The marriage became untenable. The relationship had broken down. And he wanted, he was comfortable. He wanted a divorce and they had to sell the house that she had lived in for 22 years. And then she had to go rent something that she could afford. She had to go rent somewhere. It was appalling to her that, you, you know, the emotional trauma, right? Somebody at some point has to pay. Somebody has to be accountable for all of this. It's not enough for a guy to say, I don't want to be married anymore, or for a woman to say, and this happens with women too. Women do come to the point where they, you know, a guy said once, I read a story once where a man says, here are the things to look out for when your wife is about to leave. This is about marriage. And we're talking about marriage within the context of marriage. So everyone who is wrong is equally wrong. Okay. And I read a story where a man said that the minute your wife <laughs> starts working out and she hires a personal trainer, that's the first sign that your marriage is going. I kid you not. He actually said that. He said, because the minute she hires a personal trainer, that tells you she's sleeping with a personal trainer. And then it's only a matter of time before she doesn't want you anymore. And true to form, that's what happened in a couple experiences that I've read about. Right. So it's almost as if we get to the point where in this society today, it's all about me and how I look. It's all about me and me, 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 me. It's not about the unit. I, there are instances where people have stayed together for 40, 50, 60 years. Mind you, there might've been instances that there was abuse, but people stuck it out and stayed together. Not, I'm not talking about physical abuse where somebody is going to kill you. Like in my story where they took a knife to my ribs and they were ready to kill me. I'm talking about what we would typify as define as emotional abuse, right? And people stuck it out so that there could be an inheritance for the children. They stuck it out. It, it amazes me every time I go out and I see the other day I was at the bank and I saw an elderly couple and I, I felt tears rolling down my face. They were elderly. I mean, seriously, both of them, they need someone to watch them. Right. But she needed to go to the bank and they were like, they must have been in their late seventies to early eighties. Because normally people who are still in their late 60s and 70s, or early 70s are still, you know. And she, will, she wanted to go to the, to the entrance of the bank. He parked the car, got out of the car, right? And opened the door, the car door, to help her out. And he walked her to the door of the bank and held the door. He could barely walk himself. And you should see the two of them. You could see how they were clinging to each other. They were, I was, I stood there and I said, Jesus, I, I tried for 13 years and 
after being beaten up so many times, I was like, if I stay here one more year, I'm going to be dead. So let me walk out instead of being taken out. But, you know, it, it struck me. And I, and I said to, I, I wanted to cry because I rushed up to the door to, you know, to hold the door for them. And the look on their faces were just like, thank you, sweetheart. And I'm like, ooh. And I'm like, I couldn't say anything. I was overcome with emotion. The tears were just in my eyes, rolling down my face when I saw that. That was love exemplified. Years and years of love. In other words, what I'm saying is we said that we loved each other when we started. Sometimes you have to go back to that love because in today's world where everything is instant and microwave, it's like want it now, put it in the microwave. Two minutes later, it's cooked, right? Okay. I hope you all don't cook anything in the microwave, but anyway, you know, that's for another day, right? And in today's world where we want everything so in our, on our own terms, if it doesn't happen my way, there's no give and take, there's no compromise. The minute you start saying compromise, people start getting upset because it has to be my way, my way, or no way. It, it's There is no due consideration for the other person's feelings. For, 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 for those folks who cheat, have you ever thought about what your partner feels like? Have you ever thought about what must happen to them? There are some people who say that after someone cheats, it makes them feel less than. For the rest of their lives, they keep asking, why was I not enough? Why? I, I read a, a story where a woman said that, and I was I wanted to go and hug her, because not just because I can relate, because who has not been cheated on, right? No matter what you look like, honey, if they're going to cheat, they're going to cheat. Because invariably, people do not care. They don't care enough about you. They don't care about how you feel because we live in a society where it's all about me. It's me, me, and me. How do I feel? It's not any consideration for how the other person feels and how it's going to impact the other person. And especially if you have children. So, okay, so most people say, well, I found out afterwards that I had married the wrong person. You must have known that after you spent $35,000 for the wedding. And you invited a whole group of people to be witness to what you claim was the love of your life. That's why you got married, because you thought you had met the one. So how come two years later, he's not the one? And you are, you thought, think you have now found the one because you're having sex with someone else. I think we need to come to the place where we start defining sex for what it is. That sex is a part of marriage and having sex within marriage is part of the marital contract. And so if you are, if it's part of the marital contract, then having sex outside of the marriage has broken the bonds and has broken the marital contract. Distribution of affection. When, I remember when my marriage was falling apart, I kid you not, I went for counseling and uh, the, the minister who was counseling me told me this. Now, my ex-husband was beating me blue lights and yellow lights. So all I really wanted to hear was, get out of this, right? But you know what the minister said? He said, as a result of the physical abuse, are you able to satisfy your husband's emotional needs? No. Are you able to satisfy his sexual needs? He said, flat out, are you having sex right now? I said, no. He said, then the marital contract is broken. And you are responsible 
for his sexual needs and emotional needs to be met. And he's responsible for your sexual and emotional needs to be met. And if it's not happening, then you need to free yourself and free him. Otherwise, you become just as liable for what he's not getting done. Oh my God, that was enough for me. In other words, when we get married, this is why having premarital counseling is important. Because people get married, you know, they go to Las Vegas and they're like, oh, I'm here. And I feel, you know, you just had great sex that morning. So your hormones are singing and you determine that your hormones are happy. And that's what constitutes the basis for a good relationship. The basis for a good relationship is looking into the eyes of someone and saying, is this the face I want to wake up with for the rest of my life? Is this the face that I believe I can invest in? Do I trust this face? Do I trust this person? Is this whom I want to be with for the rest of my life? And you have to come clean and honest with yourselves because I'm going to kid you not. You will always find somebody who will make your hormones zing sexually. You will always find that extra oomph. Somebody, the 80-20 rule is always going to apply when it comes to sex. There will, you will always be over here getting your 80% satisfied. But the 20% over there, you will say, man, if I could just have that. So you go over there after the 20% and you find you're in a deficit over here. I got to talk about that some more, the 80-20 rule, right? As it applies to relationships, because we have, what we have done is creating our society and creating our minds, this idea that I am not truly satisfied. Can I just be honest with you? That's placing a lot of burden on one person for them to satisfy every need that has never been met from you were a kid, every need that has not been met. Suddenly this one person is supposed to do it. Why are we holding our partners responsible for our own happiness when we ourselves are not even self-fulfilled? That's kind of the burden that we're placing. You have issues with yourself. I'm not saying the man from North Carolina had had issues, but I'm just saying if you have issues with your self-esteem and you have issues with how you feel about yourself, why has it now become someone else's responsibility? Why is it now someone's responsibility to be able that they should fulfill this? They should fulfill this. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not fair, is it? Is it fair? No, it's not fair. Talk to me. Is it fair? No, it's not. So we have placed this burden. I know you're listening because many of you are nodding your heads and you're like, you know something, I never thought about it like this. Or I might even be echoing exactly how you feel. I might even be justifying how you feel. Maybe you are someone whom this happened to, but you've never able to talk about it or enunciate it in this way. But seriously? Seriously. So the next time that you meet someone whom you think is someone you probably are thinking of being with, you probably need to ask yourself this question before you go any further, before you, is this the face that I want to wake up with every day? Is this the person? Look deep into the eyes of the person so you can see as far in as you can see. Talk to people. We spend so much time having sex in bed. We think that that's the be all and end all. But when the sex is over, how do you relate to one another? What do, does he or she believe about this? And what, what, what do they believe about this? Is it compatible with my beliefs? And establish a contract, people. Can you just say amen? 
write out a contract. A contract doesn't have to be something you take to, 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 the, to the lawyer to, notar to have notarized. How about the two of you take out a sheet of paper and write down what you expect and what you, your deal breaker, your pros and your cons, and write it down. How about that? And you sign your names to it. Then you go kiss about it. See if you can live with that. And you have that all the time during your marriage. It comes back to that contract. Establish some boundaries. I believe that I should not be alone with any males who I'm not related to in a, in a close, confined setting. Don't put yourself in a place like that. Same thing with him. Hold him accountable to that. Oh, so you, you are the boss at work? Okay. So always have other people around you. Don't just be alone with a female. Always have other people around you. These are the guidelines. Do we talk about these things? Don't do anything that is going to hurt your other per your, your, your partner. I'm your partner. You are my partner. Don't do anything that you know is going to come back and hurt them. Have some boundaries and some guidelines set up. Because what it's going to do is prevent your home from getting wrecked. And if you don't talk about these things, and I know these are difficult things. Sometimes people don't want to talk about stuff because they don't want to, they think I should know this and you're telling me what to do. And why are you telling me what to do? See, we haven't even gotten married yet and you start telling me what to do. That's the first time that that's probably not the person you should marry because already you're disagreeing. 